Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. When the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone was filled. Wow. Every time I hear that, just the, the thought of what those disciples experienced on the day of Pentecost, it's amazing, isn't it? And we have so much to be thankful for because that day was the beginning of us having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of us. Isn't that a profound thought? Sometimes we get so familiar with some of these ideas that we, it loses the understanding of it in our own minds. We don't, we don't fully appreciate what God has done for us. Well, last week, we zoomed out and we looked at the redemptive role of the Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation. How many of you in the house were here last week? Okay, a good number of you, you'll track with me well. Um, this week, we're going to zoom in a little bit to look at the redemptive role of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and we're going to connect the Old Testament with the New Testament. You ready for this? Yeah, okay, a few of you are, perfect. I'll go with that. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. <laughs> We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But in order to understand that passage, we need to go back a little bit, and I need to give you some background information. So, we learned last week that after Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, something called the fall happened. We were separated from relationship with God. And God was not content with that. How many of you are grateful that God was not content to see you and I lost in our sin and separated from him? Yes? <laughs> That's right. He wasn't content. So he began to set into motion a plan to redeem us, to rescue us from the power and the penalty of sin. He set into motion a plan to redeem us and draw us back to himself, not to manipulate us, not to twist our arms behind our backs, not to force us into submission, but to prepare the way for us to be able to choose to come back to the presence of God, to come back into relationship with God. That is what God set into motion. And there's a key moment that I'm going to draw your attention to that we're going to look at for a few minutes in this redemption plan. God chooses a group of people called the Israelites, and he chooses a man called Moses. 
And God sets these people free from slavery, which is a picture of the position that we are in apart from Christ. We are enslaved to sin. You may not have realized that before you came to Jesus, but apart from God redeeming and rescuing us, we are controlled and enslaved by the power of our own sinful desires. So God rescued the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he brought them to himself because that is what God wants to do for all of us. He wants to bring us to himself. So God leads Moses to bring the children of Israel to a place called Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up the mountain, and God speaks to him and tells him that he's supposed to deliver a message to these Israelites. And this is what he says. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God wasn't just delivering them from Egypt. He wanted to bring them back to himself at this mountain called Sinai. And then he says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, some of you who know the New Testament, maybe you've read it for a while, you may recognize that language right there. Because God's design, his purpose, was not just to make the children of Israel, the Jews, a holy nation and a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. It was to make every single person who would put their faith in Jesus part of that holy nation, that kingdom of priests. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. So Moses goes back down the mountain and he tells them what God has said. And when Moses met with God, something interesting would happen. God's presence was so strong that God's presence would cause Moses' face to shine, to actually glow, which makes sense because the New Testament tells us that God is light. He's in the presence of God. And he would go down the mountain, and the first time this happened, he didn't realize it. And the children of Israel were a little bit freaked out. Can you imagine Moses coming down the mountain, and he's like a beacon? His face is shining. And so he would put a veil over his face to cover the brightness, the shining, because they were afraid. So he went and told them what God wanted him to do. And the children of Israel say this to Moses, we will do everything the Lord has said. Doesn't that sound good? We will do everything that the Lord has said. So God says, all right, good, we have a deal. <laughs> so here are the terms of this thing called the covenant that I'm going to make with you. And this covenant had terms that there was this agreement between God and the children of Israel that allowed them to be in relationship with one another. And the most famous part of the terms or the condition of the covenant are something called the Ten Commandments. 
And God actually wrote these Ten Commandments on tablets of stone himself. And so the idea was this, if they would keep the Ten Commandments, if they would keep the law, the terms of the covenant, they could be in relationship with God and they would be considered righteous. However, if they rebelled against God, if they didn't keep God's covenant, if they didn't keep the law, they would be considered unrighteous and they would be under God's condemnation. So it became very clear very quickly, that the children of Israel, despite their intentions to keep God's law and to do everything that God had said, they were not capable of it. In fact, before Moses had gone up and come back down the mountain one more time, they had created a golden calf and they were worshiping it. Now, you may think to yourself, wow, I mean, those Israelites, I I can't believe that they would fall for something like that. However, I think we do the same kind of thing. (laughs) We may not create a golden calf and bow down to it, but we do put things in God's place. We do have other gods that we put before him. Sometimes it could be entertainment. Sometimes it might be a job, might be finances, might be a relationship, might be a hobby. See, we're like the, the Israelites. We are incapable of keeping the terms of the old covenant. And God knew this. God was not surprised by this. Aren't you thankful that God is not surprised when we struggle, when we fail, when we fall? This was not God's attempt to redeem us and it failed. It wasn't like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they get together, they come up with this thing called the Old Covenant, and they, this is how we're going to rescue the, the people and bring them back into relationship with us. That's not how it went. See, the Old Covenant, the law, the Ten Commandments, were not God attempting to redeem us to himself They were actually God revealing to us that we needed redeeming. (laughs) Let that sink in for a moment. God's intention was never that you and I would become righteous, be made right with him through keeping the terms of the old covenant. God's intention was that we would see how desperately we need a savior. See, we can't change our hearts. As Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, verse 6, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. See, we are under the power of sin, and our attempts to keep The terms of the Old Covenant, the law, the Ten Commandments, reveal that to us. And this is why God said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. Because the Old Covenant was limited by our ability to keep it, and we can't. So God orchestrated a plan to create a new covenant with us. And he said in this new covenant, he would give us a new heart. 
because our hearts are the problem. And he said, and I will put my spirit on the inside of you. And my spirit inside of you will write my law on your heart. And I will give you the ability to walk in my ways. Not just the ability, but the desire to do that. Isn't that beautiful? And the new covenant has new terms. Instead of keeping the Ten Commandments as the terms of being in right relationship with God, the terms of the new covenant are this. We place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Isn't that amazing? How gracious God is. How great he is. And so when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are declared righteous. Isn't that good? We are declared right with God, not because we are perfectly keeping the terms of the old covenant, but because our faith is in Jesus Christ, the author of the new covenant. Wonderful. This prepares us to read our passage for today. (laughs) Because if you don't understand that, this passage I'm about to read will just be like, what is going on here? You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, the Ten Commandments, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory or non-permanent though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, be even more glorious. We've been singing about God's glory this morning. That was not a plan, by the way. It was planned by God, but not by me. Because I didn't even know that this is what I was going to be speaking on until a few days ago. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation because they couldn't keep the terms of the covenant was glorious, how much more glorious, can you say, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory, the old covenant, came with glory, how much greater, say how much greater, is the glory of that which lasts. See, the old covenant was temporary. It wasn't God's plan A. It wasn't, this is how I'm going to redeem my people. It was to reveal to us we needed a savior so that God could bring plan A, Jesus, into this world. Paul is saying the old covenant was temporary, it had passing glory, but the new covenant is permanent and it has surpassing glory. In fact, it is so glorious that it makes the glory of the old covenant not glorious at all. Remember, Moses would come into the presence of God and he'd be glowing, not glorious. All right, therefore, since we have such a hope, 
we are very bold. That's what Pastor Rebecca was saying today. We are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds, that's the minds of the Israelites, were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone, say anyone, turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. (laughs) And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate or behold the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his glorious image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Man, this is a loaded passage. I'm, I'm going to like scratch the surface of it. And what I'm hoping is that you are going to be so interested in what God is doing in this passage that you will go home and you will say, Holy Spirit, show me. What is in this passage? What are you speaking to me? Because he wants to speak to you. You know, the Holy Spirit is called the teacher for a reason. I'm getting ahead of myself. Paul is comparing the physical veil that Moses wore that concealed the glory of God from the Israelites to a spiritual veil that covers our hearts that conceals the true glory of God from our hearts and minds so that we can't perceive and understand who God is and who Jesus is and what God's doing. He describes this a little bit more in the next chapter. He says, if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, that's the enemy of God, that's Satan, the serpent in the garden, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, the enemy, the God of this world, the God of this age, is the one responsible for blinding people's hearts so they cannot see who Jesus is because Jesus is the glory of God revealed to us on full display for us. He is the word who became flesh, whose glory we have beheld, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 talks about Jesus. It says, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things with his powerful word. Jesus is God's glory fully displayed for us. When we look into the face of Jesus, we are beholding the glory of God. 
the fullness of who God is. And it's only in Christ that the veil is removed. The veil that the God of this age has placed over the hearts and minds of people is removed when we see through the Holy Spirit who Jesus really is. Because God wants everyone to know who Jesus is. There are three things in this passage that I want to show you the Holy Spirit will do for you, wants to do for you. He has a ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There are many things he does, but in this passage, there are three that I want to zero in on. The first thing is that the Holy Spirit brings revelation. The Holy Spirit takes away the veil so that we can see He removes the deception, he removes the darkness, and he shines light into our hearts, into our souls, so that we can first of all see who Jesus Christ is. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit illuminating your eyes, your spiritual eyes, removing the veil? That's what he wants to do. He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He convicts us of our need for Jesus as our Savior, as the only one who can make us right with God, as the one who delivers us from the wrath to come because of the condemnation of our sin. He opens our eyes to see Jesus. He bears witness to Jesus and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except for by the Spirit of God. He's not saying that no one can physically utter the words. What he's saying is that no one can see that Jesus truly is who the Bible says he is apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't just stop with revealing Jesus to us. He continues to teach and reveal. He teaches us all things, Jesus said. And then he guides us into all the truth, and he declares to us things to come. See what the revealing of the Holy Spirit is doing? And, and in 1 Corinthians 2, it tells, Paul tells us that God has prepared some amazing things for you and I, and it is the Holy Spirit who reveals the reality of those things to us. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He reveals truth to us. He removes the veil. He brings illumination to all the scriptures. He exposes the lie of the serpent, the God of this age, And he transforms our beliefs. And what happens as a result of this? When the Holy Spirit brings revelation of the truth, it leads to freedom, which is the next thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings freedom in verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, some people have the misconception about God that he is trying to constrain and limit and enslave them. That he's trying to make up all kinds of rules to ruin their fun and dominate them and teach them who's boss. But that is not what God is doing. 
He is actually liberating us so that we can truly live the way he intended us to. Redemption is God restoring us back to his intended purpose. And it is not slavery. It's freedom. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He begins with freeing us from our unending attempts to be right with God by keeping the law. He reveals to us that we have been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. He frees us from this need to try and prove that we are acceptable to God. You and I are acceptable to God because our faith is in his son who is perfectly acceptable to God. He doesn't just set us free from the penalty of sin, but he sets us free from the enslaving power of sin. This is amazing. Did you know that even as a Christian, sin can enslave you? You may not be condemned. You may have been rescued from the penalty of sin, but that does not mean that sin does not enslave. See, the Holy Spirit releases us from the mastery of sin. Sin shall no longer be your master, Romans 6, 14, because you are not under the law of the old covenant, trying to keep the law, trying to prove that we are right with God. We are under grace. We are under God's grace, which enables us to live free from this master that used to dominate us called sin. Romans 8.13, if by the Spirit you put to the death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He enables us to live free from the dominating power of sin. And he continues this ministry all through our lives. Jesus said in, in John 8.31 and 32, Speaking to believers, people who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? Set you free. And whose job is it to reveal and lead us into all the truth? Who is the spirit of truth? This is what he does. This is what he loves to do. Our culture defines freedom as not having any restraints, no one telling me what to do. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I can think what I want and say what I want and do what I want and be where I want. Does that sound familiar? But doing whatever I want is what got me into this problem. <laughs> Let's go back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for a moment. What did the serpent say to Adam and Eve? You need to decide for yourself what is good and evil. And if you eat from this tree, you will know. And you can make those decisions for yourself. Sounds a whole lot like doing whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, doesn't it? See, that leads to slavery. 
That's the very reason Jesus had to come. Picture it with me for a moment. A train is flying down the rail, down a railway, and you look at it flying by, and you're like, wow, look at the power of that train. Look at how amazing that train is. Look at the people on that train. It is, wow, what an amazing piece of machinery. None of us look at that train and be like, oh, no, it's enslaved. I need to go free the train from the train tracks. We don't all run over to the train tracks and to the train and start, you know, heave ho. You know, if, if enough of us get behind it, we can release this thing. We can set the train free from the train tracks. Do we? No. Because we know if the train comes off the tracks, it won't be free. There will be a disaster. You see, the train tracks that you and I were designed to run on are God's will, God's ways, which are revealed in God's word. (laughs) We don't need to be delivered from those things. We need to be set free so that we can live within them by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, because true freedom comes from living according to God's will and ways. That's where life is. That's where peace is. And the Holy Spirit makes it possible. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Notice you will be governed by something. It's either the the flesh, the fallen sinful nature, in slavery to it, or it is a choice to live governed by the Spirit. And that's where life and peace is. Last thing, the Holy Spirit brings us transformation. How many of you would like to be transformed? Into what? That's the question, right? What does the Holy Spirit do? Verse 18, we all who with unveiled faces Behold, the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit transforms us. He frees us so that he can transform us into the image of Jesus. Do you know that that's what the Holy Spirit is attempting to do in your life? Whether you know it or not, that is what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. The fruit of the Spirit is the image of God. It's the nature of God. And the Spirit of God is reproducing the nature of God on the inside of us, transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. That is his ministry. That is what he's doing. He is unveiling our hearts so that we can see the truth, so the truth can set us free, so we can be free to be transformed into the image of Christ. That's what he's doing. Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, God didn't just predestine you for salvation. He predestined you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Not just so that you could get to heaven, but so that you could become like our glorious Savior. 
That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's the work he's doing. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 2. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, you and I are becoming like what we are beholding. I don't know what you spend most of your time beholding, fixing your attention on. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's uh, your sports hero. Maybe it's some hobby you have. But whatever you are fixing your eyes upon, you are becoming like that thing. You ever been on Facebook for too long and you've read all of this stuff, people just letting loose with their thoughts and their emotions and all of that, and what happens? (laughs) We end up becoming reshaped on the inside, even in a short period of time, into a different emotional condition. Well, take that same principle and stretch it out over your life. We are becoming what we are beholding, and what the Holy Spirit enables us to do is behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? How does the Holy Spirit do this? There's a common thread through these things that I've been telling you about. This revelation, this freedom, this transformation. He uses the word of God to do these things. He reveals the truth of God's word so he can set us free through God's word so that he can transform us by God's word. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. So here's my question. What place have you given God's word in your life? Because the the word of God is spirit-breathed. The Bible tells us all scripture is spirit-breathed. It is inspired by God. The people who wrote the scriptures were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You can look at my notes online, by the way, because I'm just quoting stuff, because I don't have time to read it. They, They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God that the Spirit of God uses to transform us into the image of Christ, to set us free, to reveal the truth. And if we aren't taking God's Word and beholding it, see, where do you find out what God is like? In His Word. You behold the Word. And the Word, you don't just read the Word, the Word reads you. And it reveals the thoughts and the intents of our heart, Hebrews 4.12. And the Holy Spirit takes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and He takes it like a scalpel, and He cuts away the cancer. He cuts away the unbelief. He cuts away the false beliefs. And He heals and transforms and reshapes us into the image of Jesus. But if we're not beholding the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has nothing with which to work. What are you doing with God's Word? When you read God's word, do you read it like it's just the words of humans? Or do you read it like it is the very word of God that is living and powerful, that's active and wants to change you? The reason why God's word is living and active is because it is spirit breathed. It it wasn't living and active at some point in the past, it is, the Bible says, living and active. 
It is the way God transforms us through His Spirit. What are you doing with God's Word? Because God's Word is what the Holy Spirit wants to use to set you free, to transform you into the image of Christ. Because God loves us. Let's close our eyes for a moment. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us your spirit, for giving us a new heart, for transforming us through the power of your word, by your spirit. We want to know the truth. We want to be free. And we want to be conformed to the image of your son. Help us to see that your word is what you work through. It is working in us who believe because we receive it as the very words of God. Would you stir in us a passion and desire to behold you in your word? And as we come to your word, would you cause it to come alive to us? May it not be a dry, empty, lifeless thing, words on a page, but may your spirit energize us to see that he wants to speak to us every time we come to your word to shine the light. Would you do that for us today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.